This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, it's Andrew Harrison here with news of a brand new podcast that we're releasing today, Monday the 13th of February. It's called Mugshots and it's written and presented by Michael Crick, the legendary investigative journalist formerly of Newsnight, Panorama and Channel 4 News. In Mugshots, Michael digs into the lives of the powerful, the influential and the unscrupulous with his trademark tenacity. It's a fantastic listen and we're proud to be working with him. Here's a taster of the first episode, which is about the dark emperor of the Daily Mail, Paul Dacre. You can hear the complete edition right now. Just search Mugshots with Michael Crick on your favourite app. And there's a new one out every Monday, so be sure to subscribe. Now, enjoy a flavour of Mugshots with Michael Crick. I think Paul Dacre is, without doubt, the greatest tabloid editor of our era. I think our country is, you know, if our politics is in a mess, I think he has to take some share of responsibility for that. You know, quite often you would get really red-faced and really appalling and and everyone was sort of like cowering or hiding behind the pillars. He, he could be blamed for lowering the tone of debate in our politics, making it a lot more aggressive, a lot less cerebral. There is no better mass market editor than Paul Dacre. I'm Michael Crick. Welcome to the very first edition of the Mugshots podcast. In this series, I'll be profiling many of the world's movers and shakers, exploring their backgrounds, their beliefs, their paradoxes, how they got where they are today and what makes them tick. And remember, these people are public figures with power over our lives, In a free country, a democracy, journalists like me don't just have the right to explore who such people are. We have a duty to do so. And my policy is not to try and interview the subject themselves, but to talk to people around them who know them well. Few figures are more controversial than my first subject, Paul Dacre. Soon perhaps to be Lord Dacre. For more than 30 years now, with one short break, Dacre has run what's now the most popular newspaper in Britain, the Daily Mail. And from Prime Ministers downwards, many people live in fear of what Dacre thinks and what his papers, the Mail and now the Mail on Sunday too, will write about them. What makes Dacre especially interesting is that he's a mass of contradictions. Paul Michael Dacre was born on the 14th of November, 1948. A familiar date to you, perhaps, for coincidentally, that was also the day that one Elizabeth Windsor gave birth to our king, 
Charles III. Dacre's mother, Joan, wasn't a princess, of course, but a schoolteacher, while his father, Peter, was a newspaper journalist who occasionally wrote song lyrics such as That's What Life Is All About, sung by Bing Crosby. My life is like an open book And as I glance back through the pages Dacre Sr., Peter, he came down from the north and, and ended up as a star feature writer on the Sunday Express. In the days when the Sunday Express was huge, it was, you know, it sold five million a week every Sunday. Adrian Addison wrote the book Mailmen, the unauthorised story of the Daily Mail. He lived in the, at the end of the Piccadilly line in the suburbs of London, North London, in Arnos Grove, which, I mean, less so now, more so then, was very much like a, a Terry and June, like one foot in the grave kind of suburb, very middle class, you know, p- privet fence and all that. So Dacre grew up there, and he's the oldest of five boys, and the family moved for a few years to the US. His dad was the US editor, I believe, covering showbiz. He was the first journalist to interview Elvis, his dad, Dacre Senior. Uh, and, he, you know, the best possible time to be a showbiz reporter, you know, the Beatles and the Stones and on through to Led Zeppelin and Queen and all that. So Sunday newspapers and journalism was just part of the family DNA, you know. And the, the Sunday Express was was edited by John Junor, uh, who I think, and a lot of people who knew Dacre over many years, think Junor was this kind of model. The JJ was a model for how he modelled himself later. John Junor was, was very much a presence every Sunday in the Dacre household. He would scroll all over his dad's copy that he had in his briefcase when he came home on a Saturday. And Dacre was just addicted to all this. He was just hooked on the whole journalism thing. Paul Dacre edited the school newspaper and got work on the Express during the holidays, then read English at Leeds University. It was the late 60s, the era of student protest, and Dacre, by his own account, was part of that left-wing revolt. He went on Vietnam marches and chanted, Ho, Ho, Ho Chi Minh! in support of the communist tyrant leader of North Vietnam. And now he edited the university newspaper too, while the president of the Students' Union at Leeds was the future Labour Foreign Secretary, Jack Straw. Now, Jack, I have in my hand here a copy of a magazine called the British Journalism Review, and it's got a rare interview with Paul Dacre done 20 years ago, and he says of that period that he leaned towards Labour. Yeah, like all students. He's quoted as saying, if you don't have a left-wing period when you go to university, you should be shot, he says. I was left-wing and I don't regret it one bit. Is that how you remember Dacre in those days? Uh, I I don't ever remember having a specific conversation with Paul about whether he or or I was going to vote um, Labour at the following general election. This was in the period of uh, 67, 68, the Harold Wilson's second administration, um, and um, even those who were in the Labour members of the Labour Party, as was I, tended to, uh, to keep quiet about it. But I mean, if, if that was what he's saying, I'm, I have no reason, whatever, 
to doubt that indeed was the case. Um, he, I saw him as a very professional student journalist, um, and uh, it was frankly a great relief to deal with somebody that professional that early. And, and what Paul was known for was being a newspaper uh, man. Uh, his father was senior when print newspapers really mattered, uh, and the Sunday Express had a really very large circulation. So we we knew that it, it was in his blood, and that showed in his journalism, and the student body benefited from the fact we had a really well-produced weekly newspaper. Like his father before him, Dacre joined the Daily Express in Manchester, spent several years in Belfast at the height of the Troubles, then became an express reporter in a plum location, New York City, working under the legendary Brian Vine. Adrian Addison again. There was a bar called Costello's where all of the the, 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 the mail and the express and the, the sun and the... The mirror, all these hacks would like hang around this one bar. It sounded like my kind of place, but it wasn't Dacre's kind of place. He would sit in the corner and basically be ostracised by them all. And Brian Vine would call him my fucking tea boy. Apparently, even on a hot day, he would he would turn up in a pinstripe suit. So he, in in many ways, he wasn't like the typical cliched newspaper man. Hard drinking, uh, womanizing, uh, apart from in his use of language. <laughs> but even then, in his use of language, there was a change came later. I think it was a conscious move that he tried to make him in, himself into what he'd seen from other people. He was rated as, a, as an interviewer and a, a features kind of fluff guy, but his contemporaries didn't rate him as a um, news hound, you know, as a news getter as a hard news kind of hack. It was in New York, Dacre later explained, that his politics changed radically. From the US, Britain seemed ossified and sclerotic, he said, while Americans were clearly much better off. Hence his conversion to free market Thatcherism. Yet surprisingly, both at The Express and later The Mail, Dacre's article showed remarkably little flair. Later in life... On Desert Island Discs, he said he knew then he'd never be a great writer. I dug out all of his cuttings. I read most of the stuff he did for the Express and I read all of the stuff he did for the Daily Mail. It wasn't memorable, you know. He seemed to be really... You could feel the sinews in him trying to get that paragraph right. You know, you could see him just sitting there hour after hour trying to get it right, whereas his predecessor... As editor, Sir David English, it just flowed out of him. He was a, a natural. David English, the legendary editor in those days of the Daily Mail, clearly saw promise in Dacre and in 1980 persuaded him to leave the Express to become Mail Bureau Chief in New York, then news editor back in London. Dacre climbed the Mail ladder and eventually succeeded English in 1992. Tim Walker a former male reporter who recently featured Dacre in a play he staged in London about Brexit, disagrees with Dacre's politics, but admits he was very good at his job. Well, I, I hope in, in the play Bloody Difficult Women I got this across. He was a very good editor. He knew what a good headline was. He was technically very accomplished. 
Um, I think he was wary of people like me. And I remember he once came up to me and he said, and I was at the time editing Nigel Dempster's column while he was away. The gossip column. That's right. And he said, and Dempster was a big star in those days. And he said to me, you're good column, very good column. Well done. And then he kept reading it. Then he said, well, what you're trying to do is to disguise with fine writing the fact you've got nothing whatsoever to say. And and he kind of regarded really good writing, which I like to think I had done that day, as almost like witchcraft. Paul Dacre also had a genius for understanding the male's middle-class, middle-England audience and what they wanted. A mix, he said, of family values, self-reliance and aspiration. My job is to represent millions of people who don't have a voice, he once said. I'm joined now by David Yelland, who used to be the editor of The Sun in this country and therefore in rivalry with Paul Dacre. How do you rate Paul Dacre? I think Paul Dacre is without doubt. And that's a taster of Mugshots with Michael Crick. New episodes every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast app.